in New Jersey, Jackson Torelli has decided that he is not calling it quits. Of course, with a less than 1% margin between the two candidates who've uh, counted millions of votes between them, uh, there is a margin that is less than 1%, as most people say. Uh, he came out with a jack chat tonight, also a hotline number for people to call if they perceive any voter irregularities or saw anything weird during the campaign that they can call into. You can listen to the jack chat that uh, we're going to play and figure out exactly what you want to do about that. Let's uh, listen to Jack and uh, what exactly uh, are his plans coming going forward, as well as that of the New Jersey GOP, who are not going to let the stench of a rush to declare a winner uh, bring garbage to the uh, election in Jersey, as a lot of people are saying is happening right now. Uh, he's also saying that he's committed to the process and will let the entire number of votes that are counted to be counted, be counted, and uh, move forward from there. And whatever happens, happens. But he is not yet calling for a recount, as uh, he can see at this point in time. That is not yet necessary. So let's listen to Jack and his chat. Hey, everybody. Jack Chitterelli here. Time for another Jack chat. This might be the most important Jack chat yet. So please watch and share. Two days ago, shockwaves were sent throughout our state and the national political world all because a Republican was in position to win the race for governor here in New Jersey. Despite what the polls, press, and pundits were saying, I knew I could win. Why? Because every time a governor of this state has taken us too far off track, the decent, hardworking people of New Jersey have always risen up and said, that's not where we want to go. Currently, Governor Murphy and I are separated by about 1% after 2.4 million ballots counted. There are still tens of thousands of vote-by-mail and provisional ballots yet to be counted. And so, the governor's victory speech last night was premature. No one should be declaring victory or conceding the election until every legal vote is counted. Here is where we stand. First, we're going to allow the 21 counties to continue with the process of counting every legal vote by mail and provisional ballot. That could take another week or two, and we've got compliance people watching over that. If necessary, any decision on a recount or audit will come at the very end of the county process, not before. Second, I don't want people falling victim to wild conspiracy theories or online rumors. While consideration is paid to any and all credible reports, please don't believe everything you see or read online. Third, you can report any perceived or real irregularity to the voter integrity hotline set up by the NJGOP. The number is 609-288-2925. Listen, I know how passionate people are about this election and the future of our state. I am too. That's why I worked so very hard the past 22 months to win this election and get New Jersey on a different path forward. Right now, what's most important is for everyone to be patient and let the process play out. Know this, my team is comprised of some of the best legal and political experts in the country. I promise you, whatever the outcome, the election result will be legal and fair. You have my word. Hopefully, we'll be fixing New Jersey together. See you on the next Jack Chat. Meanwhile, another guy from Jersey uh, has said that uh, he's not exactly ready to uh, call for victory. Uh, yes, Antonio Fauci says uh, that he does not see a path for COVID to, uh, to uh, be completely eradicated. It's not in his plan and it's not in uh, Big Pharma's plan, it seems. So according to uh, this, the, the, the eradication of uh, of COVID-19 is not exactly high a priority for them. 
what uh, exactly the scientists are saying is that uh, they'll just find ways to deal with it and continuously cure it uh, for certain periods of time. In other words, there's more money in keeping the disease alive than there is in, uh, in making it uh, come out and uh, be something that uh, can be dealt with, which is what medical science used to do. But who knows, you know, these days, these doctors just seem to want to make more money for their stock investment plans than they do about curing people and caring for them. So that is, of course, says it's out of the picture to have COVID eradicated uh, as far as he's concerned at this point in time. That tells you that, uh, you know, at least some people from Jersey are quitters. If Jack isn't, definitely Fauci is it he's definitely one what a way to go and let's listen to what the oak vouch has to say what a thank you thank you senator smith uh, thank you madam chair and ranking member burr and thank you so much to our panelists for being with us today so, so i just want to start by highlighting that we have made major steps forward in getting Americans vaccinated. Um, vaccine requirements are working, I believe, to encourage people to get these highly effective vaccines. We're also seeing progress with children. It is great news and a big deal that children um, age 5 to 11 can now get their shots. So clearly we have more work to do, um, but this is progress. So I'd like to spend my time focusing on the trajectory of this pandemic and what normal is going to look like going forward. Um, starting out, it seems to me that people thought of COVID-19 as something like polio, for example, where we could quickly, we could develop a vaccine and then we could control or even potentially eradicate this disease. Now it seems that COVID-19 will be more like an influenza, an infection that will recur for the foreseeable future, though hopefully with less and less severity. So Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky, can you help us understand how we should be thinking about the path of this pandemic over the next couple of years? Dr. Fauci, understanding that uh, we don't have crystal balls and uh, this is an unpredictable virus, um, what do you think the next six months to two years right. are gonna look like? And do you expect that COVID is going to become more endemic and less pandemic um, as we move forward? And what does this mean for how people are sure. gonna be living their lives? Yeah, so let me just put a, a very brief perspective of it, Senator. When you think about pandemics, you're in the pandemic phase, and then you have a deceleration phase, then you have a control phase, then hopefully you'll have elimination and maybe eradication. I think eradication is out. We've only eradicated one virus in history for humans in that smallpox. We've eliminated certain infections by very good vaccination programs, such as eliminating polio from the United States, eliminating measles except for some pockets of undervaccinated group. So what we're really talking about is control. And control has a wide bracket. You could have it under control where you have enough infections in the community where it isn't a pandemic phase, but it still is interfering with what we would like to get back to what we used to know as normal. What we hope to get it as it's such a low level that even though it isn't completely eliminated, it doesn't have a major impact on public health or on the way we run our lives. We would hope that as we get people more vaccinated, not only in this country, but throughout the world, that the level of viral dynamics will be so low. I can't predict for you today when that will be, because as we see, we now have a situation, we're entering the winter, the good news is we're continuing to come down, 
and hopefully we'll go further and further down. But what happens globally will impact us. So if we get more people vaccinated globally and more people vaccinated now, hopefully within a reasonable period of time, we will get to that point where it might occasionally be up and down in the background, but it won't dominate us the way it's doing right now. Thank you for that. I appreciate you bringing in the issue of um, global vaccination rates and how that affects our health here at home. And I hope, um, I hope Madam Chair, uh, that this is a topic that we can devote a little bit more time to in this committee, because I think it is um, very salient to, um, the, to our work to protect Americans. Dr. Walensky, let me turn to the question of data and metrics. You and I had a great discussion last week about what is the most useful data to track the course of this pandemic as it evolves and um, how difficult it is for people to assess their own relative risk, especially now that we have a vaccine that provides such strong protection against um, serious disease. So Dr. Walensky, in this phase of the pandemic, what are the best metrics for us to pay attention to? For example, um, should we be paying more or less attention to positivity rates, case rates, or should we be paying more attention to breakthrough infections that cause serious illness and hospitalization? More like we track um, influenza outbreaks, for example. Yeah, thank you for that question and for that conversation earlier this week. Um, I've, we've been thinking a lot about what um, an endemic phase looks like and with the data that we're needed to collect during that phase. Um, certainly right now we are collecting data on cases, hospitalizations, deaths. We know that not all of our case data is um, is uh, 100% because not every uh, rapid test is being reported. And importantly, um, as we do with flu, we collect um, death data, we collect hospitalization data. We absolutely need to know how our healthcare systems are doing, um, and we absolutely need to know how deadly a, a, um, a flu season is. We also collect data on influenza-like illness, what is presenting, and we're currently presenting uh, collecting data now on COVID-like illness. So we are working towards those metrics of what we need. Some of them are already, in fact, all of them are already collecting, and the question is, what are going to be our best metrics moving forward, um, and probably modeling it on flu. The other metric that I think is critically important um, is vaccination rates. And um, one thing that we haven't really touched on just in this conversation, but we are absolutely um, working on and doing much better is our race and ethnicity data, our equity data. Because um, if we are not following how we are doing in these communities with racial and ethnic minorities, we are not going to understand the impact of this pandemic on all of the communities in this nation. We've act actively worked on making sure that those are up to speed as well. Thank you. Well, thank you.